When I was much younger, I read with a hunger that was pathological. It was as if some part of me believed that books would decay almost as soon as they were bought, and it was necessary to consume them as quickly and completely as possible. So as I entered my teen years, I began to collect books. Apparently they didn't actually decay that quick. And they became a comfort to me. And in a habit now that strikes me as more than a little strange, I would carry my favourite books around with me in a green tin that was decorated in stickers of Pac-Man characters. My first literary love was science fiction, as it probably is a lot of little boys. And it wasn't until my mid-teen years that the horror bug bit, though it did bite quite hard. During these few years I worked my way through a huge amount of books, only the barest few of which I still remember. One of these was Larry Niven's A World Out of Time. Rereading it lately, I can see so many reasons this book caught my attention and why it spoke to the early teen me so strongly. The book's protagonist, Jerome Corbel, cryogenically freezes himself in the year 1970, the same year I was born, only to wake up in 2190 with his mind inside the body of a mind-wiped criminal. Corbel has no rights legally having died so many years before, and he finds himself a slave of the government system known as the state. The state trains him to be the pilot of a buzzard ramjet, and he is sent on a mission to seed lifeless worlds and begin a process of terraforming. But Corbell revolts and steals the ship, taking course to see the centre of the galaxy on the ultimate sightseeing tour. So begins an adventure that spans millions of years as the relativistic seeds the ramjet reaches, extends Corbell's life and the universe he wakes to, once again changes beyond his understanding. Though A World Out of Time is one of Niven's lesser works, which is to say basically if it isn't Wearing World, no one seems to have heard of it, the book was probably my introduction to hard science fiction which is to say that unlike much of the science fiction that makes it to our TV and cinema screens, this kind of science fiction is rooted in scientific theory that can be researched and understood as true science. A World Out of Time acts more as a time travel story as it does a space exploration one. As Corbal is thrown forward into the future, he loses any control and is buffeted back and forth by the social forces he finds there. In many ways, this is reminiscent of H.G. Wells's The Time Machine, with the added issue that Corbell, unlike Time Machine's unnamed time traveller, has no way of returning home, making this a fish-out-of-water story at its bleakest. A common criticism of Niven's book is that it's short on description and character development and though both of these complaints are pretty much true I find it a positive aspect of his work. The lack of any backstory to Corbell as well as any deep exploration of his character allowed me to 
imprint myself into the character in the same way I would a, a role-playing game. The lack of description is an odd thing, as before I read the complaint it never really occurred to me. It made me wonder if those who had made such a complaint had well-developed imaginations, or whether they were people who needed more hand-holding than I did through the story. Essentially, that's all too often what descriptions are. They are virtual hand-holding where the author believes themselves that their vision is so unique or that it needs elaborating on or where they believe their audience requires help in the imagination department. I've never really needed help in the imagination department. This isn't to say I have any issues with authors who enjoy the process of descriptive writing and it isn't to say I don't enjoy it. It's just to say it's not a deal breaker if it isn't there. As long as there's a story or a character that holds my attention, everything else is just icing. A World Out of Time allows the reader to use the character of Corbal as a kind of avatar into this infinite universe where time no longer seems to exist. The characters flirt with death constantly, but they are never really cowed by it. Death becomes something that is there to be overcome with the distortion of time through the faster than light travel of the buzzard ramjet. Originally I read this book when I was barely in my teens. I guess I was 13 or 14. And as I reread the book approaching my half century on this planet, I find a lot of what struck me originally about the book still remains. Corbao is called a tourist in this story. Someone who observes life but is not really a part of it. And this idea is visited again and again throughout the book. He is interested in other people and the world around him, but he's not in any need of either. And it's only after millions of years of solitude that his interest in others develops into any kind of need for them. I think this was what interested me in the book. Corbao was much like me as a child. I was insular and looking on the world with the eyes of a tourist of sorts. As I have grown older, I have not developed anything that could be described as a need for people, but I have certainly learned to enjoy the company of others, at least within moderation. The weight of time that I felt as a child has stayed with me, and I wonder how much of this is due to this book and others like it. This is not a negative thing, far from it. An understanding of how fleeting time is and how easily that which we hold dear can be lost is a good thing. It breeds appreciation of the moment and it gives the moment weight. Nothing has the same weight in life as something you know you can lose in any moment. Corbao does not know this initially. It's something he learns, but it's only when his selfish need for companionship forces him to learn it. The 13-year-old me was ahead of Corbell, or perhaps it was Corbell's foolishness that allowed me to learn this lesson earlier than many do. For all its simplicity, and for all those quite accurate criticisms against the book, I found a world out of time to be a profound experience both as a man and a child. Now, all I need to do is figure out which of those things I am right now, man or child and whether it really matters in the big scheme of things. Well, I'm done. I'll speak to you later.